What is up, fantasy fan? Uh, this, this episode, we're going to talk about values and reaches, what they are, why they're important, and what the difference between a value and a reach is from what a bust and a steal is. Uh, our last episode, we talked about some prospects, taxi squads, ways to go about drafting young studs, and how they will impact you both this year and going forward. And this episode, we're going to talk about guys who you're definitely going to be drafting early on, maybe later on, and guys who you probably drafted last year who either weren't worthy of their value or actually ended up being a huge value in return. Um, again, reminding all you listeners out there that you can check us out at thefantasyfam.com. You can, it introduces all three of us as a, you know, our little bios. We can, you can find our episodes there and you can find our rankings there within the next week or so. Also, you can go on Twitter. You can find us at, at the fantasy fam. We post there on a pretty much daily slash few day basis. Uh, we post about our new episodes and some important stories that are uh, necessary to talk about. So do not forget about that. And do reach out should you have any questions or comments or concerns. Yes. We love it. You can either reach out to us on the website and post a comment or a question or anything you have. You can send us an email at thefantasyfam at gmail.com. We love any listener questions or any listener comments. We love the feedback. We thrive off of it. So please have at it. And we'll certainly throw it on the next episode as well. And also, just don't be mean. I mean. Yeah, don't be mean. We're not we're not perfect, but like, just try to keep it to a like a PG thirteen esque. Um, that would be fantastic. So, <laughs> on that note, let's jump into our. Uh, we're gonna start with a question of the day this time to kind of get us prepared for our topic, which is value and reach. And that question is, why is tiering so important? Okay, first people have to understand what tiering means, um, but why is it so important when drafting? Good, good, good question to ask, you know, for this particular topic, uh, Mr. Keeley. But tiering, especially in baseball, it, it definitely means a lot. Uh, obviously, you do it in football. I mean, you do it in every single sport. But baseball, it it really does mean a lot, especially as far as like, let's say, like pitchers go. You know, I mean, you got your top tier pitchers like Corey Kluber, you know, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and then you kind of got your borderline tier ones but it's also you're in the first round of the draft okay hey i really like you know like you darvish good pitcher you're not going to draft him in the first you're not going to draft him in the first round probably not the second round so having those tiers definitely helps and especially so like it it also helps with like your value as well so if you have a guy ranked in like your third tier and he falls to you in the draft, that is a good value pick according to where you have him ranked, though, your valuation for that particular player. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way I like to look at it is because when people see a run on a position, say they see a relief pitching run or they see a catcher run because the depth and the value is just kind of not great after a certain point, you start to kind of reach and we'll get into that later on. But then you start to see that, hey, tiering is so important because you have to know when a certain player falls outside of that tier and where their value and where their worth is um, when it comes to the round they should be drafted in. So it's it's a tough one to predict because say you think about it, you know, I'll, t- I'll give you an example here. At 400 points, 405 points, um, I have Jonathan Villar, okay? I have him ranked as a, you know... I think he's going to have a pretty good bounce back year after his poor uh, poor season last year. Okay. But I have him ranked as my eighth or so 
um, second baseman. Okay, so 400 points is a pretty decent amount, but the fact is the second base position is it's a pretty stacked position. Okay, but then you look at say the catcher position, and you have I have two catchers who are above 400 points. And that's okay. all there should be. Right, right. So that's where tiering comes into play. Because not only do you have to tier by position saying, hey, Buster Posey and Gary Sanchez are my only tier one catchers. But then you have to look at it and say, well, when it comes to drafting overall and you're, you're listing all your players together, you know, wouldn't you rather have someone like Jonathan Villar in the whatever, you know, in, the, in this 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th round, wherever you get him, instead of reaching for a catcher because you want to fill that position and grabbing somebody such as, I don't know, Brian McCann in the ninth or 10th round because there's a run on catchers. When he's going to put up for me, I say about 275 points. Exactly. That's a 125, 125, 130 point discrepancy between a second baseman and catcher when you can just wait on a catcher and get them in the later part of the draft that might actually you know exceed what McCann is get, set to get you. So my tiering is so important. It's knowing what players belong in that tier one that you're worthy of taking in that first three rounds. What players belong in that tier two that, hey, I'm not I'm okay with reaching for a top tier two player at the end of tier one, if you know what that you know, it, it kind of gets convoluted and complex, but you know, there are certain players who are a fringe tier two, tier one player that, like we'll talk about in this episode, you have to reach for if you want them. And you might be reaching, you know, a little bit tier down, but at the same time, you know, it's not like you're reaching three tiers down. Exactly. That's when it run. That's when you run into a problem. That's when you run into bust territory. That's when you run into big problems for your team. Is when you draft a tier four type player as a tier one. Well, that's when you need help with drafting overall. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's when you see runs on relief pitchers, and you know you're stuck with I don't know you're stuck with where it does it does happen. Yeah, you you're stuck with Shane Green as your next available relief pitcher, and you're saying, oh, crap, I have no one. What do I do? Exactly. Well, let's overdraft Shane Green in the, in the 12th round because Be- we're scared. Exactly. Never draft scared. Yes, there you go. Right. That's a good... So that's why tiering, tiering keeps you from drafting scared. It keeps yeah. you from drafting, and, uh, you know, overvaluing players and reaching on players that probably don't belong there. So that being said, we can. it's a perfect uh, lead-in to our category and our topic of the day, which is values and reaches, and what they are, what the difference is, and why they matter. Okay, because people think about busts and they think about steals. You know, when you're talking to you know some type of novice who's played fantasy but they don't really play on a religious basis, they think, oh, he's a bust. I drafted him, he didn't pan out for me. He's a bust. Or I drafted him and later on, and he was my best player and he was a steal. Those are both accurate. But what is a value? What is a, why does value picks matter? Okay, so for me, the way I look at a value is a value pick is not so much a steal, but it's rather when a player falls to a point in the draft when they are worthy of their value. This value is determined by previous year's stats or current projections and where we, you know, where we see their floor or where we see their ceiling. Uh, when a value falls in the draft past where they should be drafted, we think of them as a steal. If they go earlier than expected, it's considered a reach. Okay. So you can almost say that technically, like somewhat, a value could be a steal. But the value exactly like I, that is I think you hit the nail on the head with that one with saying you know they got drafted after you know right. where you have them there's ranked. A, there's a threshold. Exactly. I mean, there's a threshold between where someone becomes a value and when they exceed that and then become a re- and become a uh, steal. And and okay. we'll we'll try to give some examples you know to to further explain. Right. Right. Some guys you know, who were, this who were values and reaches last year and value and reaches who we think will you know who we think you know, will be them this year. Exactly. 
and then getting into a reach pick. So good way to look at reach pick is drafting a player before their consensus average draft position and value during a draft. So, you know, it's value. It's not a good thing or a bad thing, but it basically depends on how you use it and how you strategize a given draft. Um, so they, so like, I guess to someone that's drafting at like the end of the first round with the 12th pick, they know that a player valued at 16 or 18, you know, is not going to be there for their next pick. So technically you're going to have to reach a little bit. Right. You know what I mean? So like a good way to like talk about that is with like, I'll bring in football, you know, it's not football season, but if you have the last pick, you're like, and you know that there's going to be no quarterbacks later on and you want a good quarterback, your chances are you're going to reach for that position just simply for the fact that you have no picks between that time. So so a reach could be good, but it also could be bad. Right. Reaches, you know? reaches a lot of the time take place more towards the, the later... Uh, it's not always true. Okay, that's a poor analogy. But what I was going to say is that we see a lot of reaches in the first or second round oh, yes. in the later parts of that round. So we see it, you know, somebody who has a, you know, whoever's closest to the turns. So somebody who has the, say, the first, second, or third pick, or the, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th pick in a 12-team league, right? Because for the, the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, they're saying, hey, they're not going to be there, you know, after my 15th, 16th pick. I have to take them. Exactly. And same with the turn for the second, third round, you know, that number one or two pick, they're going to say, hey, I'm not going to see them, you know, in the fourth, or, you know, the fourth round. What do I do? And it happens, literally, it happens, I mean, in almost every draft. It's right. it's almost inevitable, to, unless you, unless everybody is literally drafting the best available, which and is not the there, case. Right. There are people. There are some people who do just take the best available player. They say, hey, you know, I see him ranked there. I'm going to just take them. I'm not going to reach. I'm not going to overvalue someone. I'm just going to they, – they, they fit my team. They fit Ex- my scheme. Exactly. Yeah. If you get in that position – Great. I mean, you might succeed that way. You might not. There are plenty of people. Like I know your brother, for example, is a big proponent of of reaching because he wants to take his players. Exactly. He wants wants his players. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that until there is. Until you get to the end of the season and you're like, crap, I just wasted a pick on him. (laughs) I'm a big value. Even if I'm not hot on somebody, even if I think that, you know, I like them, but I don't love them. But I see them sitting there in the, I don't know, in the middle of the third round. And I had them valued as a tier one guy who you know, I had valued in the middle of the second, and they're there in the middle end of the third. To me, that I, there's, I just have to take them because they're going to have just entirely too much value for me to pass them up. And even if you don't, you'll, you'll find a spot for them on your team as well. Like, oh, I have way too many of this position. It, it's not necessarily a bad thing either, you know? It's happened at the long season. Exactly. People get hurt, trades. You could also use it as trade bait, you know? Come a couple yeah. weeks, if people actually like to trade in your leagues, which I hope you guys do, because it is a long season. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of trades, but yes. So, I also I love I love value picks. Yeah. Which That's will bring us, which will bring us to our value picks. We can give some examples from last year. You know, the 2017 season. So. Yes. I, I have one that I think is – he was a good value. I mean there are some that are good value, but they are they were steals. And we're not going to touch on them until our next episode when we go over busting steals. But someone like Justin Verlander, you got top pitcher. You know, he was on Detroit. 
I saw him get drafted at the end of the third round. He could have been drafted even later because of the year he had before. You know, he didn't he didn't have a dominant year. That right there is a great value pick considering where he ended the season. Like he probably should have been drafted a little bit higher considering you know how he finished the season as a top what? Top 15? Oh, I think much, much top better. 10, yeah. probably yeah, top 10 top, or something like that. Top 10 pitcher last yeah. Year. So so Verlander was a go- was a very good value pick for where you got him, considering all the pitchers. Because I can guarantee you there were at least twenty pitchers taken before him. But yeah, especially if you you know if he was in most leagues I saw I think he was like a mid fourth rounder. I mean you're talking about at least twelve in some leagues if it's a pitcher heavy league you're talking twelve fifteen pitchers who might have gone before him. Exactly. So for me my favorite and biggest value from last year was Joey Votto. Who, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I think John John Carlos Stanton had a fantastic year. Uh, we'll talk about him last, you know, in the next episode. But I mean, Joey Votto, for all intents and purposes, should have won the MVP if he had played for a better team, a team that you know was not the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, like I don't I don't like WAR whatsoever. The wins are wins above replacement to me is it's a it's a stupid stat, but seven point five is an unbelievable is WAR. I mean, that's my Trout numbers. Okay. The guy was unbelievable. He did not miss a game. He played in all 162 games, putting up 36 home runs, 100 RBIs, a 320 average, and 106 runs scored for the Reds. Okay, his on base percentage was 454. Unreal. That, that means he had 134 walks. And he doesn't strike out. He really doesn't no. strike out that much. He struck out 83 times. That okay? is. So he walked. Ugh. He his walk to, his walk to strikeout ratio, not strikeout to walk ratio. His walk to strikeout ratio was 134 to 83. Okay. amazing that's the time and you got him in the middle of that third round right? that's great value yes it could be a steal five. it could yeah. be i mean that's where it bridges where what becomes Ex- a steal and what's exactly a, what's a value. but that because, value is unreal the value is fantastic i don't think it's so much a steal because it has to be a certain round differential pick differential for it to be a steal um but for this purposes True. it's a value because unbelievable value was sought here i mean the guy carried if you drafted him in that mid third early fourth he, he carried you to a title um, it's people get scared because the team was so poor, you know, played so poorly. Doesn't matter. I mean, he is a great, great player, and he's still getting it this year. He's still going in the mid second this year. I mean, I which just don't un- get it. Which is unreal, exactly. Everybody's it's scared. Such it's such disrespect. It, it really I, is, and I get it because he is a little bit injury prone. Which, and he, I mean, I mean he, he sh- hasn't been, I don't know. He he missed he missed a hundred games back in 2014, but the but what four of the last five years. He played in 162 games, 158 games, 158 games, 162 games. All right. So there you go. So there's proved, really nothing to be scared of. Except proved me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which proves so, it doesn't matter that he plays for Cincinnati. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. He hasn't hit. I mean, he's hit below 300 once in the past, what, nine years? You could say he is. You could say he is the best first baseman right now in the game. I think he is. Uh, yes. I have him ranked number one as my, my number one first baseman. There are people who disagree with that. I have him ranked as number one, too. Paul Goldschmidt is... He's my number two. Very close behind, but anyway. So, and then my last one before you get to your uh, value from 2017 was Adrian Beltre. He went in the middle of the eighth, middle, late eighth round. Um, My voice just cracked. My apologies for that. I heard Um, it. You just you you just heard it live, everyone. He just hit puberty. I just at the ripe old at the ripe old age of what twenty twenty five. So anyway, Adrian Belte is father time, thirty eight years of age, and um, last year he missed a decent amount of time. Okay, Uh, he did. He missed. 
He missed a good portion of the year, okay? I drafted him. Played 94 games, and I still consider him a value. And here's why, okay? In those 94 games, he played out of his mind, okay? He put up a 312 average with 17 home runs and 71 RBIs in 94 games, okay? For the Texas Rangers. And people are going to say, well, he was injured. He couldn't have been value because, you know, he didn't help me throughout the entire year. But that's false. Because for the portion of this year he did help you, he definitely helped you. And he and you needed him to because it was yeah. during the playoffs and everything. It was like <laughs> during the home stretch. And that's what I – I drafted him. And I kept yeah. him on my IR the entire time while he was, you know. Second highest, his second highest on-base percentage of his career. Okay. Um, he struck out, as Adrian Beltre does, very minimally. Um, but the thing that brought it out to me is the fact that even when he played for a bad team – like Texas, you know, Texas was not that good last year. He still played at a very, very high level, and I see that going forward. I think he, honestly, for all intents and purposes, he is another player who is a value last year and a value this year. Uh, 100%. You could get him. I think right now you could get him. So I guess we'll just we'll talk really quick about one value pick for this year, Adrian Beltre, to 10th round right now. And – when when he was dominating last year in the second half of the season, I think just in the second half of the season, he finished as a top 10 third baseman, maybe even a little better than top 10. That's that's the thing, though, is because people see the bright and shiny things. Like, I love one of my favorite players um, to watch and to root for is Alex Bregman. Okay? I think Alex Bregman is on his way to being a great player. But Alex Bregman is going in that fourth round. No. Okay? No, thanks. I have Adrian Beltre ranked above him point-wise, and he is going six rounds later than Alex Bregman. There you go. That's value. That is value right there. <laughs> it is. It's, it's exactly – that's exactly what it is. It's a pure value pick. You are getting somebody six rounds before that's going to score you. Why have them scoring what? About seven more points? I mean – Still – the fact that it it's close, yeah, it exactly, and you can get him, and you can wait and build up your, you know, your team, and then be like, oh, okay, I'm going to get another third baseman who I think is going to score maybe a little bit less or a little bit more, but six, like six rounds later, that's a, becomes, that's incredible yeah. value right there. That's why his value is so important to me. Yeah. And then so, on the flip side, we'll talk about reaches from last year, 2017. So. The biggest reach, I think, was – and everybody – I mean, I picked him two years ago. I had him on every team. I picked him before anybody even knew who the hell this guy was. And he dominated. Trevor Story. Yeah. I, I, I like never-ending story, but I don't – I'm not a big believer that he – the fact that they have Brandon Rogers right now in the in the minors as at shortstop, you know, says that Trevor Story potentially maybe not get weaned out, but they also have they also have Dante Bichette's son. They 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 got they have good depth at shortstop. Yeah. Now if Trevor Story cannot strike out two hundred times in a year, he could be a very very good shortstop. Yeah. One he did get hurt. Um. But I'll give you a little stat. He was drafted in the league that we were in last year, with my cousin and myself. He was drafted in the fifth round, right? Oh, okay, fifth round. Yeah, he finished, I believe, in the tw- the twelfth shortstop. Now you're saying, okay, twelfth shorts, you know, that's not that's that's still pretty good. 
But let me give you this little stat. Francisco Lindor was drafted in the third round, two rounds before Trevor Story, and finished almost 200 fantasy points more than him. That is wow. That is unreal. It's just uh, that that right there is a big big reach because of the like, year he had before. I just no. Yeah, and it's as people are like, oh, rankings wise, well, he finishes like the tenth best, you know, especially it's especially a, a position like such as catcher. You know, they say, oh, he finishes the tenth best catcher in fantasy. Yet, if you look at between the tenth and th- yeah, say fourth best catcher exactly 175 point discrepancy between the two exactly i don't care where they finished i want to know what the difference is between the position between like you know first and 12th and if it's it's substantial then i don't really care and that's and that's one thing that a lot of fantasy people don't they're like oh well he's ranked you know like this guy like that doesn't it doesn't mean anything you have to you got to look at points and stats stats do not lie yeah, and so stats don't lie for the the player I'm going to talk about, who was I thought was a reach in 2017. He was coming off of a very, very, very good 2016, where he put up 16 wins, 172 strikeouts. I mean, his everything was low. His er his earn uh, his ERA was in, was under three. It was a 2.83. And then you see 2017, where he gets drafted in the seventh round. Okay, playing for a winning team, thinking, wow, it's going to be another breakout year for him. He put up a 4.67 ERA, almost doubling his ERA, okay? Um, 13 wins, so he loses three wins and gains a loss. Uh, it goes from 16-10 and 10 to 13-11. Uh, he let up an, you know, just a lot of runs. He went from letting up uh, 72 runs in 2016 to letting up 105 runs in 2017. And I'm talking about Tanner Roark. Roark. Uh, Tanner Roark was awful in 2017. Yeah, he okay? wasn't good. <laughs> he went he went in that seventh round range okay and i wanted to believe in him but going off a sample size that is minimal is it's not something i like to pride myself on yes he did have 15 wins back in 2014 but i, I just then he his he followed it up the next year with you know a four win seven loss season with a 4.3 era so the stats the stats like you said the stats don't lie and while it's nice to see those shiny numbers one year, maybe those are their outliers. Maybe maybe it's not the bad years that are the outliers. Maybe it's the good years that are the outliers. And maybe he really is, you know, a 14 and 11 type pitcher. And if I'm drafting somebody as a 14 11 pitcher who is not going to get me, um, you know, 250 strikeouts, then I shouldn't be drafting him in the seventh round no. as potentially my number two pitcher. He's, he would be my starting pitcher too. And I can guarantee you a lot of people that drafted him around there probably thought it yeah. was great value. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? And because, yeah, and because because they thought of that and said, hey, you know, the biggest thing I see is that he lost 30 innings of pitching because he was so bad. He went from 210 innings pitched in 2016 to 281 in 2017. Well, that's, that's a lot of point loss, too, right there. Cause just because he was bad. <laughs> well, he got 13 wins. Yeah, he got 13 wins because he had an incredible lineup, you know, right. pitching for the Nationals. Like, if he was on another team, if he was on a, a team with a bad lineup, right. like, if he was on the White Sox, he probably would have maybe won six games. It's That's the thing. <laughs> and then I'll follow it up with my la- my second reach of 2017, and that is who I, I just hate him as a player. I think he's a dirty player, and I just don't <laughs> like him. Um, and that's... 
the guy who, besides uh, Tim Anderson in uh, Chicago, he is one of the worst strikeout strikeout to walk ratio guys in all of baseball, and that is Rugnetto Door. Um, mm. I do not like him as a player. I do not care how many home runs he hits or how many RBIs he drives in. His strikeout to walk ratio is absolutely abysmal. Last year, he struck out 162 times and walked only 32 times. Oof. The best 100, he did 100, struck out 135 times in 2016 and walked 19 times. He's, a good, he's, he's a good boxer. Sixth round. <laughs> yeah, ask, ask, ask Joey Bats how he feels. Oh my God. But what a shot. Rudnett is, I just, I don't like him. I think this the second base depth is so good that I just don't understand what the purpose of drafting him last year in the sixth round was. I mean, yeah, we weren't expecting certain players to emerge the way they did, but you still have your Jose Altuve's, your Brian Dozier's, Daniel Murphy, Cano, DJ LeMahieu, Kipnis, Scope. I mean, it's such good depth at second base position that there's no reason you need to overdraft a guy who is, you know, his on-base percentage is absolutely abysmal. So for me, he is the big one that I think was complete reach in 2017, was not worthy of being drafted where he was. Well said. The 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 great people of you know the state of Texas would probably disagree with you, but well, I I agree with you and I do live down here. <laughs> he had a, he had a two fifty two on base percentage. Joey Joey Votto had two hundred more points on his on base. Two fifty two. That's that's like that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so so. continue on that. I guess we can. Well, now we'll talk about some reaches for the twenty eighteen season, and. I have a reach that a lot of you are probably going to be like, really? Like, what the hell? Um, talked about him last episode. Uh, Steve Nebraska, a.k.a. Otani. Um, now, I only think he's going to be a reach. One, because everybody is like, wow, this dude is going to be a stud. And, I, you know, I, I hope he is. But, we one, you don't know how he's going to adjust to major league pitching, major league hitters. Yes, Japan is everybody saying that it's like right behind the majors, but who's who's to say he can he can continue that in the MLB? Now, the reason why I think he's going to be a reach is one, obviously everybody's going to be like, oh my god, I got to get Otani. I, I I need I need Otani on my team. He can play pitcher and he can play hitter. Now, if he's a pitcher for you that week, you're going to start him as a pitcher, right? Whereas he's not going to hit for you, meaning you got to find somebody else to put in that roster spot. So, like, if you drafted him, so what? He's going to play DH, so I guess he's only going to be DH and utility eligible, I maybe, believe. Maybe, out, maybe outfield, right? I don't know. Maybe outfield, depending on – even if he plays. If he doesn't play outfield, then he's right. only utility. So, I guess then you're going to need to find somebody. So, then here's the other on the flip side. You're going to put him at your utility spot. But then you got to find a pitcher for that week, which may be more difficult to find a pitcher for that week, especially if you're in like a 14-team league, let's say. So you're going to have to draft quite, you know, strategically if you take Otani. Now, if you're like we mentioned in the last one, like Yahoo, then it doesn't matter because you can pick him as a pitcher and then you can pick him as a hitter. So right, it's a good difference. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing to have. Ot- Otani is my big reach for this year that I would possibly, I, I would, I would avoid him based on where I've seen him go. And I think you mentioned what last episode, 
you've seen him go as early as the fifth round and you've seen him go as late as like the ninth or tenth round so yeah it's, it depends on it depends on people who are willing to take that chance exactly um i have two reaches i'll brush up on uh, pretty quickly um and they both play for the same exact teams that i had for 2017 reaches it's pretty ironic uh, my first one is Anthony Rendon. Um, I, I think he had a great year last year, an absolutely, you know, a, a very, very good year. Um, once again, I don't like war, but he had almost a six war, uh, wins above replacement, put up 25 home runs, 100 RBIs. Um, the, the runs were a little low. He only put up 81 runs, but he did bat over 300 for the first time in his career. That being said, I think that definitely is his ceiling. I mean, I don't think he can go much higher than that. If anything, he could see an increase in stolen bases going from, you know, he had 12 back in uh, in 2016 and 17 back in 2014. He could see that 10 to 12 stolen base um, ratio. I'm not really sure, but I, I think he could top that. But that being said, drafting him in the fourth, the late fourth round is not exactly how I value him, mm-hmm. especially when the third base position, like the second base position, is so deep. Yep. Um, there's no reason to draft Anthony Rendon there when I can get Adrian Beltre, you know, five rounds later exactly or i can get you know jake lamb a six five rounds later or i can get you know evan Longoria, matt carpenter justin turner um and literally i could pick any third baseman that is going to go after him exactly uh, that is a much better value to me and where the points are not even that much different there isn't much of a point difference honestly yeah my second one plays for the texas rangers uh it's not rude door again even though it should be um elvis andrews it's no, actually, I love Elvis. Uh, I do like I do like Elvis though. I will. My say guy that. hits a whopping two oh nine last year. Okay? Two oh nine. All he right. Did on, he did have a great on base percentage, given the fact that his average was pretty friggin' terrible. He had a three 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 on base percentage because he walked seventy five times. Oh, wow. He also struck out one hundred ninety six times. Oh, okay? Mister. So Gallo. the thing is, so the thing is with with, with Joey Gallo <laughs> is that you have to look at it from both perspectives here. If you're in a points league. It might be worthy of, you know, saying, hey, he's worth, I'll take the points, I'll take the minus points from his strikeouts because the home runs and the RBIs will potentially be there. You're going to look at 40 home runs, you're going to look at 85 to 90 RBIs. If you're in a category, a 5 by 5 category, or if you're in extended categories, you know, strikeouts are going to destroy you. You're going to lose that category every single time. So think about it. If you're not hitting home runs that week and you're not, you know, driving in runs or scoring runs that week, you're... He's also going to kill you in the average department. He's going to hit two. He's going to hit two fifteen at highest, and he's going to strike out two hundred times. So those are two losses right there from a player that you need to either get a guy who strikes out very little, or you need to get a guy who hits a great average to balance it out even a little bit. You need people that don't strike out at all on your team right. if you have him. <laughs> right. So his his high last his high of his career for batting average was actually last year where he hit two oh nine. So that's what I'm talking about. It's a guy who's being drafted in the eleventh round. I just do not get it because as much as the home runs are sexy and the RBIs are sexy, there is nothing else good about him. So for me, he is my biggest reach of, uh, of 2018 to go along with Anthony Rendon. And so I don't think we touched, touched upon it. I'm going to talk about it really quickly. It's the values of 2018. Um, I only have, I have two that are pretty big for me and that's Trevor Bauer who Trevor Bauer will talk about later on future episodes for me, because I think he has the possibility to being a dark horse Cy Young candidate I love Trevor Bauer. He is one of my favorite pitchers, and he's going in the 11th round, which to me is just foolish. Um, because Given the year he had last year, I think it's – I really do. I think it's actually unbelievable the fact that he's going in the 11th round, um, especially last year when he put up 17 wins and had 196 strikeouts. So give me him every day. ERA wasn't great, but I'll take it. But still, exactly. The ERA doesn't really have to be that great because ERAs are not what they used to be. 
Right. If you look at the top pitchers, no, nobody had like a two ERA. Yeah, there's 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 few and far between for pitchers who have between two and three. Exactly. ERAs. So ERA is not really something that's going to make or break. As I mean, it could, but it's not that huge anymore. And then my other biggest value, who I love, absolutely love, is entering CRT. Diana Braves, he is a great player. I mean, he, he put up a 300 average, 200 hits he eclipsed last year. He's not going to hit you home runs, even though he did put up 11 home runs and 57 RBIs last year, which were both career highs. Uh, he's going to steal you some bases, 20-plus. He's going to get you a 300 average for a team that's not so great, and he's going to do it with style, and I love him. You can get him as well in the 11th round. So think about that. If you can you know, make the turn in that 10th, 11th, or 11th, 12th round, and you can land Bauer and CRT, I would be thrilled. Um, so for me, those are my big mm. two values for 2018. Um, my values, uh, and I really I, – I know that you are a big, big, big fan of this guy. Now that he got traded to Milwaukee, Christian Yelich – he has the opportunity to probably be a 30-30 guy. Def- yeah, definitely 25, 25 or 30, definitely 30. a 25-20. He's going right now, I would say, in probably the late third round, depending on. But I oh, think boy. for right there, this guy has the potential to probably have one of the best years. We still haven't seen what he really could do. Now that he actually has, yes, he was playing on Miami last year when Marcelo Zuna had his career year. And Giancarlo Stanton hit, you know, 100 home runs, 200 (laughs) RBIs. But you're going to Milwaukee where you got, you know, Lorenzo Cain now, Ryan Braun, Travis Shaw. Christian Yelich right there is a very good value pick because he, in my opinion, could finish in the top 15 out like of outfielders. I think yeah, I, could, I think he could finish the top ten of outfielders. Definitely, and yeah. then another another value that from the same team, and I, it's weird. Milwaukee Brewers, what? Uh, Travis Shaw, who I absolutely love, picked him up last year off the waiver. I mean, I saw him go back and forth off the waiver from team to team, maybe about five times before I actually snatched him up, and I was like, you know what, this guy, I'm keeping him, and he finished I think last year what fourth. For third baseman, the guy could play third, first, um, and I think was he he wasn't an outfield, was he? No. Eligible? I think he was only infields. Yeah, I think he's only first base, third base uh, utility guy. Which is which is pretty solid. That's I mean, awesome. I'm fine with that. Having the more versatility makes him so much more valuable. This guy hit 273. I mean, that's a that's a good batting average, but he also had 31 home runs and 101 RBIs last year. That is ridiculous. Now that you add Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich to this lineup, this dude, I don't see why he couldn't increase his RBIs. His home runs, they could stay the same, maybe digress a little bit. But if he's getting getting on base also, you could see his runs go up as well. So I think Travis Shaw going right now in the seventh round, that's ridiculous. For, yeah, that's for, a great value for where he is. That is, and I can't believe I'm talking about two Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> hey, times change for value, but the Brewers, the Brewers are going to be a team to reckon with. But that yeah. we can talk about that at a later. I agree. Episode. All right, awesome. Covered a ton of content, and the biggest thing I hope you guys take away from this is the fact that a value and a reach are discretionary. 
It's how you see fit to use them. You just have to know which is which and why they're so important. So if you need to use a, you know, if you need to use a reach because you love a player and they're not going to be there, then use it. Then use it. If you, exactly. see, if you see someone there that you wouldn't expect to pick, but they're they're just still sitting there and they would be a tremendous value for you, then you take them. That's why value and reach are so important to your teams. Um, again, we are at thefantasyfam.com. You can check out our episodes, stream them live. Uh, you can. You can check out information about us. You can also follow us at the Fantasy Fam on Twitter. And our next episode will be coming up quite, you know, pretty quickly. That will be Bust and Steals, the inverse of this episode, where we'll talk about, you know, what a bust is, what a steal is, why they are important, why they're important to have and to avoid. Um, and it's another, you know, important episode. And then from there, we're going to be getting into a ton of things like regressions um, and people who, you know, from 2017, people who regressed, people who bounced back this year. We'll be getting into some mock drafts and then some uh, some starting lineups, some starting rotations, and then we'll get into our rankings at each position. So we have a ton of content to get you ready for your 2018 season. And me and my wonderful cousin. On behalf of both of us and our missing cousin, unfortunately, because of work, this is the Fantasy Fam signing off. Bye.